Hello and welcome to A Father's Heart, a podcast for Catholic dads, brought to you by the Diocese of Nottingham. This podcast series will explore Patrice Cordier, that is, the apostolic letter written by Pope Francis for the year of St. Joseph. Each month, we'll speak to two dads from around the diocese and explore one of the parts of the document. Each part highlights a different characteristic of St. Joseph as a father. We'll be sharing our thoughts and reflections on this document and how the different fathers from around the diocese try to live this out. Here is this month's episode. Hello and welcome to our latest episode of A Father's Heart, our podcast for Catholic dads in this year of St. Joseph. This month's episode is slightly different. Um, We are not only just thinking about ourselves as dads, but we're reflecting on our own dads who've inspired us. And that's because we are looking at section one of the apostolic letter. And that that section is called A Beloved Father. So before we get into our interview with this month's guests, we will read through this first section. A Beloved Father. The greatness of St. Joseph is that he was the spouse of Mary and the father of Jesus. In this way, he placed himself in the words of St. John Chrysostom at the service of the entire plan of salvation. St. Paul VI pointed out that Joseph concretely expressed his fatherhood by making his life a sacrificial service to the mystery of the incarnation and of redemptive purpose. He employed his legal authority over the Holy Family to devote himself completely to them in his life and work. He turned his human vocation to domestic love into a superhuman oblation of himself, his heart and all his abilities, a love placed at the service of the Messiah who have grown to maturity in his home. Thanks to his role in salvation history, St. Joseph has always been venerated as a father by the Christian people. This is shown by the countless churches dedicated to him worldwide, the numerous religious institutes, confraternities and ecclesial groups inspired by his spirituality and bearing his name, and the many traditional expressions of piety in his honour. Innumerable holy men and women were passionately devoted to him. Among them were Teresa of Avila, who chose him as her advocate and intercessor, had frequent recourse to him and received whatever graces she asked of him. Encouraged by her own experience, Teresa persuaded others to cultivate devotion to Joseph. Every prayer book contained prayers to St. Joseph. Special prayers were offered to him each Wednesday, and especially during the month of March, which was traditionally dedicated to him. Popular trust in St. Joseph is seen in the expression, Go to Joseph, which invoked the famine in Egypt when Egyptians begged Pharaoh for bread. He in turn replied, Go to Joseph. What he says to you, do. That's from Genesis 41:55. Pharaoh referring to Joseph, the son of Jacob, who was sold into slavery because of the jealousy of his brothers, and who, according to the biblical account, subsequently became viceroy of Egypt. As a descendant of David, from whose stock Jesus was to spring, according to the promise made to David by the prophet Nathan, and of the spouse of Mary of Nazareth, St. Joseph stands at the crossroads between the Old and New Testaments. 
here is this month's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode six of A Father's Heart. And this week, we are thinking about a beloved father, which is the first section of Pope Francis' letter, uh, Patrice Cordier. And I'm delighted to have with me uh, two brothers, Steve and Tim Brogan. This week, we are reflecting on not just being a father, but also being a son and looking up to a father. So going back when I first had this idea almost a year ago, these were the first two people that came to mind because I wanted to do a podcast with uh, them and actually their dad and have that conversation. The day I had this idea, sadly, was also the day that uh, their dad, Pete, uh, passed away. A great man, a deacon of our diocese and known to so many people all across our diocese and beyond. So uh, it's a different podcast originally planned, uh, but it's a great opportunity to uh, speak to Tim and Steve. So I'm not sure who wants to go first uh, to introduce yourselves. Go on, Tim. Okay. Uh, do you know what, Steve? I thought you were going to do what you usually do and just uh, take the older, more big <laughs> brother, brotherly brotherly introduction. Hi. Yeah. Uh, Tim, Tim Brogan. Um, uh, what, what, what do you want? What do I need to say, Joe? What do you want? What do you want me to say? Uh, so if you want to see you, Tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your family, your work, things like that. You could even plug your, your own podcast if you uh, fancy that. Okay, yeah. Um, so I'm uh, Tim Brogan. I'm a head teacher over in Burton-upon-Trent, uh, which is the second, I think, most southerly school in the uh, Derbyshire CMAP uh, of St. Ralph Sherwin Catholic Multi-Academy Trust. And I am not just a head teacher, but I am a husband to Elise and a dad to, let me get their names right, Lila, who's seven, uh, Drew, who is five, Coco, who is uh, three, and our newest addition to the party, uh, Edith, who is uh, six months and four days old. I know that because we had a six month birthday party. <laughs> so there you go. That's me. That's, 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 that's in a nutshell who I am and what I represent. Excellent. Over to you, Steve. Hi everybody. Uh, I'm Steve Brogan. I am uh, Tim's older, better looking brother. Um, I'm also a, a real follower of St. Joseph. And the reason I let Tim go first is obviously that core virtue of humility so i've allowed tim to take the lead <laughs> um obviously inspired by saint joseph himself um i'm also a head teacher head teacher at saint john horton very proud head teacher of saint john horton catholic voluntary academy uh, just on the edge of ilkeston and kirk hallam and uh husband to uh, the long-suffering michelle and father to olivia who is 14 uh, abigail who is 12 Noah, who is three, and Kieran, who is uh, just over 18 months, or just, just coming up to 18 months, actually. Um, yeah, and I don't have a podcast, and have never had a podcast, and have never been involved in a podcast before, <laughs> so I, I consider it a real privilege to be asked. So thank you for that introduction, Joe. Uh, thank you both for joining me, and as you can tell everyone, uh, they've a great thing about having brother, we've got a bit of brotherly rivalry and uh, also, <laughs> as you can hear, hopefully with eight children between them, that uh, quite a lot of fatherly wisdom that can be uh, passed on to us all. So uh, as we jump in, just 
any thoughts on this first section on a beloved father or anything in particular? You mentioned, Steve, about how you have a particular devotion, love for St. Joseph. Anything that kind of jumps out about his characteristics uh, we'd like to share? Yeah, our dad actually, actually had a great love for St. Joseph. Um, dad, dad loved St. Joseph as a role model as an, and as somebody to really look up to. Um, and one of my earliest memories is obviously picking up the picking up the bulletin every every week and seeing if you could see the Brogan family. And whenever March came around, it was always Timothy Brogan, R.I.P. Tim Tim is actually named after our granddad, who who died, my dad's dad. Um, and he also had a huge devotion to Saint Joseph. So this idea of Saint Joseph and this devotion to Saint Joseph has been something that actually throughout our family has been quite. Um, quite important I would say for the male members of our family um, and there's a couple of things really just to begin with that just that that line about you know Teresa of Avila and how she chose Joseph as her advocate and interse- intercessor um, and I loved I loved that line in the encyclical that that says she received whatever graces she asked of him you know that lovely idea of that prayer to St Joseph and using St Joseph as as a sounding board, I think, you know, the, the statue of St. Joseph and St. Joseph asleep and placing notes under the statue has become quite a, uh, quite a popular devotion and image to St. Joseph, hasn't it? Um, but I think, I think there's a bit of a, there's a bit of a, um, a danger really to just assume that St. Joseph is this kind of quiet chap who goes about his business and doesn't say too much, but, but says the odd thing. And, not really accepting the importance and the magnitude of his role. Um, and just in that last section, the, the last section of a beloved father, that first, that first part there of the, of the encyclical, it really emphasizes this, I think, where it says, St. Joseph stands at the crossroads between the Old and the New Testament. I thought that was huge. That really, that last line for me was, was really interesting, just this really crucial character, this fundamental character who stands in the middle between the history of the Old Testament and the future of the New. And, and that really, for me, was something really powerful that I highlighted. That's excellent. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, I, th- I think you're definitely right about we can evenly cut out St. Joseph, even when you think about, I see so many like nativity scenes around at Christmas time where you've missing. I'm like, you've gone out to get nappy? What's going on there? Like, what have you got him out? It's like an integral role, really. I know God the Father of Jesus's father but he was the one who was there who raised him reared him you can't you can't cut out saint james so I agree with you there tim anything that jumped out to you or anything you'd like to share well joe i know why you went first set the standard tim set the standard <laughs> i've done my homework i suppose uh, yeah i suppose rather than um than the the points that steve's picked out I was reading it from the perspective of kind of putting dad at the, at the center of it and lots of things um, spoke to me while I was reading the section, especially this, um, uh, the idea of looking to Joseph and praying to him on such a regular occasion. So it talked in there about um, the offering prayers every Wednesday um, especially during the month of March and, and, and something that, that my dad, our dad, um, was so committed to was, was offering, there you go, fire alarm. Um, our dad was so committed to was, uh, praying the novena and praying to, um, 
praying to Mary. And I think he saw Joseph as a, as a role model uh, because of the commitment that he showed to um, to Mary. I mean, when you think about it, uh, it kind of blows my mind, really, you know, how we look up to such an incredible family in the Holy Family, uh, but the, the challenges and difficulties that they faced in those early days, you know, it probably wasn't the start to... Uh, married and coupled them that they they would have they would have expected with with what happened um in terms of being called to carry the son of god but joseph committed um mm-hmm. and loved jesus uh, as though though he was his own and i suppose as jesus grew he'd have learned more and more about his dad and about how wonderful his dad was it, from those kind of early days, you know, I think about the stories that we've got, Steve, from from when we were young and and how, you know, the, the challenges that our mum and dad faced. But you look at the Holy Family and, you know, having having to cross uh, to uh, as immigrants to 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 go for the, the counting and then to to leave uh, Bethlehem uh, very soon after kind of being outcasts. Um, it, it, it must have been such a challenge for them. And I think that's why we look up to, um, as a, as a dad, Joseph in, in such a special way. I think, I think it's right. I think you picked up a really important point there. You use the word commitment. Mm. And I think being a, being a father and being a, a husband requires a huge amount of commitment. You know, none of us, I don't think anybody would ever say that their marriage is easy all of the time and that being a father is easy all of the time clearly there are moments where you know you get to really celebrate that fatherhood and celebrate that being a husband and you know you're incredibly proud to be a father but also it's really hard it's a slog it's not easy Mm -hmm. it's something that you have to keep on trying to work at and that's that's clearly obvious in Joseph isn't it is that commitment to um that to persevere through the difficult times is is so evident in the scriptures it's it's a lovely it's a lovely thing to be able to relate to as a, a father and a husband today you know 2000 years later that nobody nobody has it easy in their marriage everybody has moments where that commitment has to carry you through and um and we all have those moments i think Do you know, i've never thought of that Stephen. You, you you bang on like all the moments like Joseph appears, they're not easy moment for him. Mm. Kind of, he finds out that Mary's going to like have the son of God. That's quite a big deal. Then they've got to get across the country to Bethlehem, and are like in a stable. Mm. <laughs> then, uh, then they've got to flee. Uh, so then they go to the temple, and like the, imagine like when you bring your child for like baptism, and uh, <laughs> the priest greets you like, oh yeah, this child's going to have a hard life. He's going to like going to be like a sword <laughs> piercing your soul. <laughs> Watching this child, yeah. and it's just like, and 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 then like when they kind of get he over, disappears. Then he yeah. disappears, and everyone's going, "Where is he? Where is he?" Yeah. You know, just talking yeah. about my After father. You, you know? Yeah, three days, <laughs> three days. Your twelve-year-old son was just like, not there, and it's just like, poor Joseph. <laughs> when we think poor about Joseph. it, actually, what we know about it. But this is this is the thing, you know, as as a dad, in terms of uh, the role model that he sets, and as a husband, the role model that he, the the behaviors, the character behaviors that he that he models, you know, such kind of resilience in terms of the the challenge that challenges mm. that that he faced as as opposed head of the family, um, the empathy and love that he showed to 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 Mary and and to his. Um, 
son, Jesus, as well. Um, uh, I, I think, uh, and, 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 what, and what I think he does is he does it in credit in, with such humility. He, does, he doesn't make any, any big shows. Um, he's kind of, yeah, he's in the thick of it, as you've just said, but he's also kind of on the sidelines uh, as well in the gospels. And I think because of that, it just makes him such a, an incredible, uh, incredible character. Mm. I, lo- I love the line from the encyclical. Um, Pope Francis actually quotes uh, St. Paul VI. And he uses this line in the encyclical, which I think is brilliant. It's, it talks about him uh, making his life a sacrificial service to the mystery of the incarnation. But then actually, uh, Paul VI uses a really current word to, about St. Joseph. He says, he turned his human vocation to domestic love into a superhuman oblation of himself, his heart, and all his abilities, a love placed at the service of the Messiah, who was growing to maturity in his home. That word superhumans become, you know, really current in society, hasn't it? Looking at Marvel characters and all of that. Mm -hmm. But love that, absolutely love that line. You know, looking at this idea of St. Joseph being this superhuman kind of servant to the the whole family. Love that, it's great. I'm going to say, Steve, you're a mind reader, because one of my last questions, so I'll do it next, actually, is going to be... um, that the Pope really speaks about being a beloved father, about being self-sacrifice. So um, what kind of the sacrifices of um, fatherhood, what have that kind of taught you in life about maybe the way you look at things, how maybe have it affected your work life and things like that? Mm, I, th- I think for me, it's one of the biggest challenges. I think, I think that, um, I mean, you know, we're, we're both head teachers um, and, for me the key the key word is trying to find the balance it's constantly trying to find the balance between home and work and you know in education there are times term time's a bit crazy i always talk about term time being 100 miles an hour and then holidays trying to trying to go back to zero miles an hour and i think that is the constant challenge of fatherhood for me is trying to make sure that we keep everything ticking sometimes it really does feel like spinning plates but it's trying to find I don't suppose it's any different in any line of work actually it's just that I've always worked in education so think that it's exclusive to education it's probably not Uh, but it's just that balance between leading a school community and the challenges that come with that at the same time as looking after the family supporting the family being there for everybody um you know, and I think knowing Elise and Michelle, we're both blessed with incredible wives who are also superheroes who, you know, keep everything running, actually. My job's probably a lot easier than Michelle's in terms of keeping the plate spinning. Hers is probably far more difficult than mine is. But um, that, for me, is the, the constant daily struggle and daily challenge, that conflict between work and home and trying to make sure that I'm giving enough as a father and a husband at the same time as giving enough enough as the head teacher of of the school. Yeah, I think I think mine's really similar, Steve. I think um it's not necessarily the day-to-day actions. It's not necessarily the wanting to be present within the school community. Uh, but it's the headspace. It's the the 
capacity that you've got to kind of be a really good husband, be a really good dad, and then try and be uh, uh, an adequate head teacher as well. <laughs> so, so, so <laughs> absolutely. So, so I think, yeah, aside from those kind of the, the making sure the balance is right for, for me, my, my biggest challenge has been just to, to be present in, in, my home when I'm with the the kids, when I'm with the mm-hmm. and trying to be, you know, trying to be as supportive as I can and trying to be uh, present with my, with my kids and doing things with them for them. Um, sometimes things being done, done for me. And that's been, that's been a huge challenge uh, for me, especially um, in the last three years, you know, three, uh, how long ago was it now? Three, four, four years, um, I took on the headship. And, you know, in the early days, to be able to get out of uh, school in terms of with school being in my head was a, was really, really difficult. So re- readdressing the balance, making sure that I'm prioritizing the family, that is, um, that's, that's what I have had to work at to get right. I can definitely resign with that. The amount of time where I find myself like checking work email and stuff. And yeah. I'm like, after of like trying to get my daughter, trying to grab my attention. And I was just like, what am I doing? Absolutely. Like, that can wait till she goes to bed. That can wait till yeah. tomorrow morning. Mm. Like, mm. I, I had to, I, I, we had a bit of a, a nadir, I think is the word for a bit of a, not a low point. That's the wrong word. But you know, I, I had to make a conscious decision that when I walk through the door, when I get home, I put the phone in a drawer because because it was a real a real challenge, particularly earlier on. You know, I've, mm. I've been ahead for nearly two years now, and um, particularly earlier on that separation. I like what you said there, Tim, about that mental um, that mental balance. That's 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 the hardest thing. Is you know, I need to switch off here, and I need to be the best dad in the world between half past five and half past seven and then I can start work again you know but it's that for me I had to make a literally a conscious decision to say do you know what the phone goes in the drawer and the Mm -hmm. phone goes out of the way because for me you know that that mobile phone is such a temptation that that can then influence our our private lives and our personal lives Um, and and it's making that conscious decision that I'm actually going to take a step to do something about that part of the sacrifice as well is is as well you know we found this when there was, I, th- I feel like there was less sacrifice when I was just a husband and then, the, <laughs> and then so because obviously you know to spend all the time together would be um, would, would be quite quite difficult I think Elise would say the same thing um, and having your own space your own time to go and kind of be with um, your mates or uh, or whatever is is really important, or you know, go for a run. But then, as soon as you have that first baby, this game all unbelievably changed. And so things, you know, the stuff that used to be easy, where oh, I'm nipping out for a half hour run, or yeah, I've got band practice on this night, becomes a strategical, operational <laughs> nightmare. And so, and so that sacrifice of knowing that actually it can't be the same as it was. We're going to have to make lots of allowances for, um, for each other and for the family. Um, and, and just, yeah, I, I think what being able to kind of keep doing the things that you enjoy is important, but 
you can't do everything that you want to do anymore. I mean, what, what's yours, Steve? Golf. Game of golf every... Provided it's in the calendar about three months in advance. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah good. But I, think, I, I think there's something also interesting about sort of, you know, I don't want to sound like, I don't want to sound like a robot, but scheduling family time, you know, mm. just knowing that it's okay to say no to other people so that we can mm. go for a nice walk on a Sunday afternoon is absolutely fine. You know, so um, Michelle and I started something at the beginning of this year. We, we we just wanted that time and space just for the two of us. It's not really about fatherhood, but I suppose it is. It's all mm. the same thing, isn't it? Um, and, you know, we needed that time. So we've set aside a Friday night and on a Friday night, we eat dinner when the children are in bed. Now our children are mortified because they don't get to eat with mummy and daddy on a Friday night. But that's important for us as well to find that time for each other. And I think it's the same with the children, you know, that we have to, because, because your life becomes swimming lessons and drama and netball if you want it to. And, and, and that's not actually me spending time with the children it's fine that we're in the car on the way to those things, but it's really important to find those moments at the weekends or of an evening where you can just say, do you know what, this is our time and it's okay to say no to other people who we would really like to spend some time with, but actually we need some time as a six to say, this is our time now and we're going to enjoy these moments together. And I think um, bring, bringing that back to the encyclical though, that that is um, for your for the kids to see that, to see that actually, you know, on a Friday night, me and mum are going to spend some quality time together and we are going to, we're going to commit to kind of listening, to talking, to eating together, you know, yeah. that as an example to your children about what it is to be in a, in a, in a, in a marriage uh, and what it is to be, you know, a loving dad, loving um, husband, I think is, is, is a brilliant example and it's going on my list. Thank you, Tim. <laughs> it's a similar thing. Like uh, I've got to agree with like a few months ago, I realized how much like my daughter's approaching two now, how much of a sponge she was becoming. And yeah. I, th- I thought like, so I've like, I want to model to her the kind of husband I want her to marry. Like, so she knows the expectations of like, of to mm-hmm. have really. And uh, kind of like, I had a great example of, fatherhood and husband for my dad and um and i've like right i want to make sure that she, she sees that so that she have the highest expectations but then then that who knows she could be a nun so then but then she's got, 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 got an even better husband excellent bro um have we said um this podcast especially thinking about our fathers, like, oh, about to start in, who are in heaven then? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> which actually, for the three of us, is all for true on double man level, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so, um, and yeah, so this of, of being a son, and uh, I had a similar one we did our um, podcast with, which I didn't realize at the time with uh, Deacon uh, Rick and uh, Deacon Dave that their, their dad, both their dads had passed away. And I thought this is quite a good topic to cover, but we need more time. And of uh, so if the opportunity to do that so um let's if you if you feel comfortable of course have a little chat about about your dad and mm. particular how how did your dad inspire you uh, in faith growing up and then now how does he inspire you as as a dad 
The, the thing is, when we were growing up, Joe, we didn't really have a choice. So we, <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and I think that's that's the key. That's the key thing. It, beca- <laughs> it was a way of life. It was, yeah. um, it was, you know, Saturday morning for ten o'clock mass, and you know, around Easter time, we'd be. Uh, you know, we'd be camping sack- at church. We'd be, we'd, be, we'd be camping at church. We'd be getting the, we'd be getting the place ready. Um, and and you know, Sundays every Sunday, same service. We'd we'd serve the you know, Nana would come out afterwards on a Sunday. Dad used to call Sunday the day of rest, so we literally did nothing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but but it was it was so. Um, uh, you know, we we grew up in a little village where a lot of our friends weren't religious, uh, didn't go to church. We didn't go to the same school as them. We went to the Catholic church, and um, I'm sure Steve will will talk to you about uh, the rosary after tea. Uh, you know, every evening and and kind of the way that our friends used to respond to that. But so, so it was a way of life for us that, that actually, as we grew older, really inspired our friends so much so that they eventually kind of came to church some Sundays with us and, and also respected our, um, our faith and our, um, our way of life in, in, incredibly actually considering kind of who they were and and the kind of um their sense of humor and what they were into for them to kind of accept how religious our upbringing was 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 quite remarkable and i'd say was dad conservative steve would you call him conservative was he a liberal conservative can you have one of them (laughs) You know, he dad dad had dad had conservative views about um, you know how church should be, but he was liberal in the fact that he would accept anyone and would give anything to to anybody who needed it. I mean, when he died, um, the outpouring of love that we felt as a family, but also that the stories that they brought to us and told us about him, about how he had helped them that, that we, we had never heard about, you know, that was, that was equally, if not more inspirational than the man who we kind of, who we, who we knew. So we're, we're kind of still being inspired by him and by his faith and by what he gave to us, even, even after he's, after he's gone, which I think that that's the mark of, as someone who's lived a, a, a good life, I think. I've got to say, if I like, I thought I had quite religious uh, parents growing up. And, uh, but your dad was like one of the first, but like the second or third deacon to be ordained, have a permanent deacon, have a married man in our diocese ever. Yes, <laughs> it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was second. First, yeah, he was in the first, the first that wave. wave. <laughs> yeah, so once, once the, Bishops of England and Wales had decided that it was going to be acceptable. That was the point at which he, he wanted to be involved straight away, actually. And yeah, he was ordained uh, the first the first wave of new permanent deacons in our diocese, which I'm incredibly proud of that. You know, that's it's an amazing, amazing thing to be able to say about your dad, isn't it, I suppose? He must have been quite young when he was ordained. Like, yeah, I remember the ordination really, really well. Um, I I must have been about eleven, I think, or twelve 
Um, and it, my favourite story of the ordination is actually what happened at the sign of peace. And um, obviously, I mean, there was all there was a lot that the, the emotion tied up in it was was crazy. Tim, were you serving on the altar with me? I think you were, weren't you? We both served on the altar. Yep. Um, and I, I sang a solo, Joseph. I sang I, the Lord of Sea and Sky. Oh, wow. Um, yes, yeah, so it was It was high pressure. It was high tariff. <laughs> but we got through that. But I remember the sign of peace, and I remember, re- remember it really vividly, actually. I remember being um, – because you know what the altar's like when it's something like an ordination. There's just – there are just the clergy everywhere. You can't walk on the altar for clergy. So I remember being <laughs> stuck. Yeah, I remember being stuck behind this large group of priests. Um, and I remember uh, Monsignor Cummins, who was the bishop's secretary at the time, sought me out. And he grabbed hold of me, grabbed me basically by the alb and pulled <laughs> me to the front. And he pulled me to my dad, pushed me to my dad. I gave my dad a massive hug because he'd given the sign of peace to everybody else on the altar, I think. Gave him a, gave me a massive hug and I just burst into tears. I just <laughs> burst into tears. I just couldn't contain it. And, uh, yeah, lovely, lovely memory, actually. Really, really powerful. Um, because I, I assume, you know, where that came from, that came from a place where we all knew how much it meant to him. You know, I'll mm. never forget. i never forget somebody once asked my mum, what it was like being married to a permanent deacon. And she said, I honestly didn't know what it, what I was letting myself in for, um, <laughs> which was hilarious because it was the visits to, you know, older, older members of the congregation on a Sunday. It was Holy Communions. It was, it was mass on a Friday night, Saturday morning, Sunday morning, Sunday night, you know, dad would be there for all of that. And I think, you know, just listening to Tim and just thinking, thinking back, it was that deep planting of seeds. It was that seed of faith that dad just absolutely buried in us. Um, and on the one hand, yeah, Tim's dead right. It wasn't, it was never, it was never optional. You know, it was never, you, you've got a choice here until we got to a point where we actually all have decided, no, this is what we're about. This is what we believe in. And, and you know, at some point as an adult, you make that, crossover don't you from the child that's been brought up to believe to being the adult who decides that this is the life for them um and that's the seed was planted so deep in all of us that you know that faith that we now have is so ingrained in all of us that you know it, it i can't ever imagine a life without it really yeah and i think what's what makes that more powerful um is that at one point in dad's life, he was lapsed. So he had, he had, so he, he began at uh, St. Hugh's church. What's remarkable about dad's life is that it kind of started and began at, um, um, started, began and ended in that full kind of cycle of St. Hugh's. So he, um, you need to get me back on track in a second, Steve. So you need to remember where I am. Is that all right? Cause I am, I'm, I'm going to go off on a tangent here and then I need you to put, pull me back in like I usually do. But basically he grew up being at the church, serving at the church. He was lapsed for a while. He then was called back to the church by watching a film about Bernadette Subaru about Lords came back to the church, wanted to be a priest. The Bishop said, go away. Think about it. He met mum. That dream died. <laughs> but then... The a new one was born. Absolutely. He maintained his commitment to the, to the community uh, of St. Hughes in Lincoln. 
And then when the diaconate came about, he, he studied um, to, to become a deacon, supported the church, I think, through its through its through one of its most difficult periods, through uh, two priests' deaths while they were there, you know, cancer, and then, and then the two priests dying and kind of, you know, by himself and with the people um, of the parish kind of kept the church uh, moving forward. And I think it's a really strong church today. And, and a lot of that is because of kind of how committed dad has been. So when I'm just kind of seeing that as a, as a head teacher, I'm, I'm thinking that that um, example of somewhat the linchpin of the community and keeping that community as tight as it can be and and being with them through through the tough times and through the good times is um, is is such a such a positive example. But where was I, Steve? Before, tell me about it. I was saying about the dad. Journey, the journey of dad. About the journey. Funeral, maybe. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so um, that. Uh, oh, I can't even remember what I was saying. But <laughs> that, that the 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 way that he was so committed to his his community and knowing that it was authentic. So, so that the fact mm. that he had, he was lapsed and the fact that he was so open about the fact that he was lapsed and he was called yeah. back, called back to the church actually supported me when, you know, when I was between 18 and 20, I, I didn't, I didn't go to church. I, I, I wasn't that committed to my faith. I had the, all these questions, but then he was instrumental in kind of me thinking about the briars and going onto the briars and at the briars, you know, that was where kind of my adult life really took off. So, um, he, uh, he had, he had, he had such an inspiration to what you, you've got a story about him in, inspiring you and you, Steve to about being a teacher. Yeah. Well, I actually, I wasn't actually interested in teaching. Um, you, you won't believe this, Joe, but I was working... I'll get your name right. Um, <laughs> again, I just called you John. Um, <laughs> you might not believe this, but as a head teacher, I can quite categorically say I wasn't particularly interested in teaching to begin with. And um, I was working for a large fast food retailer, which will remain nameless, um, but it does have golden arches. And and I was working... Were you loving it? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was working for them. I was quite happily working for them, actually. And my dad, I remember my dad had done a night shift and my dad came in and he said to me, he came into the bedroom, I'd worked the night shift. He came in, knocked on the door. He said, Steve, you've got a meeting with Mr. Burroughs, your old head teacher. All right, dad, what's that about? He said, I've set it up for a job. <laughs> right, thank, thanks, dad. <laughs> thanks, dad. And um, he... He set up that meeting so that I could go and speak to Mr. Burroughs. And consequently, what was it, what was amazing about that was literally it was, we'll see you next Monday. Here's your timetable. Um, and that was it. And that was back in the days when, you know, you could get away with that, I suppose. But it was it was it was him. It was his desire. And there's abs- I'm not I'm certainly not criticizing anybody who does a job like working in a fast food restaurant. That's not the point of the story. The point of the story is to say that he, he saw something in me even when I didn't see it myself. You know, he he saw something that he wanted me to go on and, and saw the school as a possible outlet for me. And, you know, that was the best thing. It was the best thing he could have done for me because from then I've, I've gone on and, you know, teacher for 15 years now and now a head teacher. You know, what a what a great thing that to be able to look back on that. Uh, but he saw that in me even when I didn't, 
couldn't see that for myself. Um, and that's, that's powerful, I think. A couple of things jumped out to me in your answers there. First about the authenticity of your faith. And I think that's so important of a father to kind of mm. do really. And I know myself, like, like I say, I remember the first day I woke up on a Sunday at university and realised much of, I went to mass every week and everything. And I felt like it was my choice, but this is the first time nobody was checking up on me if I'm going to go or not. I've lying yeah. there bed on a Sunday morning thinking, oh, oh, what am I going to do now? And then I remembered of an evening mass. So I went and rolled over and kind of had an extra hour in bed. Um, but if that kind of, I knew that my, well, my mom did went to church and my dad went to church because I've both coming from an Irish community and like where I've kind of back in the day, if you didn't go to church, that of a talking point in the village. So it's in church, wasn't that church? Are they ill? Are they dead? <laughs> well, like, what, what's, what's going on? Kind of like, so if, and that kind of, uh, I believe uh, many, many of them may have come from that kind of cultural kind of expectation, but I knew that wasn't there for them, that they really fully believed in that they had an encounter at Christ. They had a relationship with Jesus. And that's what I'm kind of picking up from yeah. what you're saying about your dad. Yeah, some people have that moment, don't they, Joe? Some people have a moment where their faith life begins. Mm. Uh, I very similar story to you, actually. Uh, I was in France and had to make that conscious decision. I did a degree in French and German studies, and my my decision moment came when, on a Sunday in France, I had to make that decision. You know, and it's quite mm. similar, actually. Uh, but but some people have moments where almost like that they make that decision at that moment that their faith is something that they're going to continue. And, and we all have, we all have different experiences of that. For me, it was never like that. For me, it was always, I never lapsed, you know, and my yeah. dad, my dad probably had a better understanding of maybe a better understanding of the Catholic faith because of losing what he loved and then getting it back. Mm. Maybe, maybe he had a better understanding of that, but that's never been the case for me. You know, for me, my faith has just been something that's been this, growth over time and it's not one moment it's not one incident where I look at that moment and I go that's where my faith journey really began I'm I'm my as I look back my faith journey is literally just a a, a plotted fairly steady journey that I'm now at this point that I'm really feel comfortable doing a podcast about my faith you know and, <laughs> and that's and that's a privilege for me as well to have never lost that and to have always had that continuous growth in my own and that's something that I'm always striving for as we all are that deeper relationship with God but I do feel very privileged that dad's understanding of that and his influence on me has probably meant that I'm never going to lose that and that's that's a beautiful thing that's a really nice thing for me me to be able to thank my dad for and my mum as well I know we're talking about father, <laughs> yeah. but, but my mum was you know I, I spoke at dad's funeral and said that it would be impossible to talk about our dad without talking about our mum and and that sort of stands, you know, we're talking about dad's influence, but mum was always there as well as, you know, as, as the, the supportive wife who, who helped us. I think I think there's there's genuinely no way that it would have been such a way of life without mum's commitment. Mm. And I think the way that, um, you know, I, I, and I think the church saw it kind of with dad comes mum and with mum comes dad because the, the way that she um, kind of supported, or, you know, dad would always be at church before we even arrived. So he'd be there in the morning and then mum would bring, mum would bring the children. She enabled that way of life. She enabled the dad's commitment to the community 
she enabled it through kind of bringing us by ensuring that we were involved in it. But then she kind of went over and above with that because she would, you know, she was so heavily involved with kind of the refreshments or, or the, yeah. the, the, the rotors or kind of doing the food for an event or she, she was so heavily involved with it that I think that was the, you know, dad's involvement with the church, but mum's then commitment to, um, to, to, to her faith and, and her, role within the community that was what made our way of life actually um kind of happen so easily and it's really interesting isn't it in the year of saint joseph that we our experience in some ways sort of turns the holy family on its head that mary is the frontal figure she's the one who uh, brings jesus into the world and is uh, not necessarily the face of the Holy Family. I think that's probably a little bit strong, but she's so influential and important in um, the salvation story. And Joseph is seen as this quiet, unassuming, behind-the-scenes kind of character. Mm. That we almost had the reverse of that, that Dad was up on the altar. Dad was, you know, in his, in his alb and in his other deacon gear, as we used to call it. And yet <laughs> Mum was the quiet figure who'd quietly bring us in at... 10 o'clock, five to 10, sometimes five past 10. Um, but not, always, we, not always quietly. Not always quietly, <laughs> not always dragging four of us in, you know, by the scruff of our necks. Um, but she's the quiet, unassuming character who goes about the business and allows that yeah. to be the permanent deacon and the face. That's very interesting, really. That's not something I've thought about before, actually. Um, there's something I kind of want to pull back what you said before about your experience of bringing your friends home. And the, <laughs> and for the sake of like, I very much I know I remember when growing up, hung around either my cousins who live nearby or all my dad's mates who worked in kind of typical Irishman worked in kind of civil engineering. So we went to school with the same people who we've like if their parents worked with my, worked with my dad and so on. And then when we were allowed to play a little bit further on the street and we met somebody who wasn't like uh, who wasn't a Catholic and I, and I was just like I remember saying like what do you do on a Sunday. And he said sleep, and I went. I don't understand. <laughs> Joe, Joe we, we in our living room, we used to have a picture of uh, Jesus on one wall, Mary on another, and they both had their hearts out. Yes, yeah, <laughs> same. So, same. so our, our fr- so our friends walk into the living room, and they're like, "What in the world is this?" It's it, it, it is it's it's we didn't even consider it kind of when we were growing up, you know. But we look back on it now, and we kind of, you know, we laugh about how, uh, how, how crazy that must have seemed to them. That, you um, know, we've got alien. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, absolutely alien. I mean, Steve, tell them about when when we used to say the rosary. Oh, honestly, Joe, we'd say, we'd say the rosary and we'd say it every night, you know, if dad was at home. Now, don't forget, dad was also a firefighter. So dad, dad, would, dad would work shifts. So that depended on when we said the rosary. Uh, but we would say the rosary. We'd say at least a decade of the rosary and some nights we'd say five, depending on how naughty Tim had been at school. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> we, uh, you know, this... Imagine the scene of a family sat in the living room with the lights off as, as the light descends, you know, as, as, as the light dies, if you like, in the day. And you've got a family sitting in the living room, some of us on the floor, some of us on sofas, 
with our eyes closed, with the blinds open and everybody being able to look into the living room. And you're thinking to yourself, like, how must that have seemed to somebody of no faith who doesn't understand what you're doing in that moment? How, how must that have seemed? And, and our friends, I kid you not, particularly in the summer, our friends would ride their bikes around the outside <laughs> of our house waiting to finish. We would get up when, when the rosary had finished if we'd managed to get through without falling over laughing between us. We'd, we'd come outside. What were you doing? We were just saying the rosary. All oh, right, OK, should we go and kick a football? <laughs> and that just the whole thing about that is just wow it's just it's just so funny and 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 that kind of that was just part of what we did you know that was just a part of how we grew up and what we did and uh to our friends that must have just seemed so so alien it must have seemed so strange in some ways but it but it was part of our upbringing that was that was what we did and just to, just to add to what tim said about you know the sacred heart of jesus and the immaculate heart of mary pictures uh, the sacred heart of jesus did have a bright orange led bulb of the cross that that was lit underneath yeah. it you know and as uh, you know your friends would walk in the living room they'd have a look around oh that's a picture of jesus interesting <laughs> yeah, that was that was the environment we grew up in and you know, that was that was that was a part of our childhood. Um, uh, similar, like my mum have a great devotion to the Angelus. So, like, Angelus six o'clock. What time did the Simpsons start? Bang on six. Nobody can say the Angelus quicker than me. <laughs> uh, but if like because um, if, but I look back now and I thought like, okay, I did kind of rush it, but at the same time, of that commitment to it, really, and or if you it was so, said it absolutely, yeah. Oh, if it was summer and like would pop back in to say the Angelus like for playing football we're like oh six o'clock back in a minute <laughs> back in the house back out again like, what's that about we're like get a drink nah just say the Angelus what is that <laughs> <laughs> but yeah if they've kind of key little things it's like I said I've planted that seed of, um, uh, so important um, what kind of from your dad's character and those memories do you try and take into your own being a dad to your but like like him dad to four children <laughs> Well, Steve, Steve, you seem to have something to say. Well, for, for fear of sounding like a broken record, um, two words we've already spoken about so far, commitment and sacrifice. Um, mm. Just that commitment to the family, just, you know, I, I don't remember, I don't know if you remember anything, Tim, that mum and dad used to do outside of work and family. I don't remember dad having hobbies. I don't remember him mm. doing anything for himself. Um and what I mean by that is, you know, you know, I joked earlier about playing around with golf every three months or whatever, but I don't remember dad really taking that time. All I ever remember about dad were three things, church, family, work. Um, and they were the three things that he, that absolute dedication and commitment to. I, I, I don't remember him going for a run. We used to go for the odd bike ride, you know, but that would probably have been more a part of spending time together as a family. So that commitment, I think, is is huge. And that's something that definitely, I think, you know, that's inspired us and we've taken that into our family lives, definitely. Um, I, also, I also think just as a person, and that this is something new, that the one thing that we, that I would say I've taken away from dad is just that, that ability to try and give people time, that if people need mm. time, you, you find time to give them. And that's, you know, that I think Tim would probably be quite the same in his headship that, you know, anybody that needs anything, it's that 
that absolute commitment and dedication to be able to say, do you know what, I'm going to find the time for this person to try to give this person what they need. Because that, that, that will do that for anybody. If anybody ever said, can I just have half an hour here or half an hour there? Dad would find that time. And often, you know, that again, it's that balance between can I find that time from somewhere else? But dad would quite often find that time. And actually just thinking about what I was just saying then, it was probably came from the fact that he never actually did much for himself at all. You know, not finding that time for himself made him able to find that time for others. Um, so they're, they're definitely things that I think I've, I would take away from dad's life that have had a, a really powerful influence on me. Two things that uh, my dad kind of gave me, and I've reflected quite a lot on this actually since his death. So the first one is Man United. You can't hold that. You can't hold that against him. That's not fair. <laughs> Thanks, dad. Thanks, dad. So yeah, so uh, used to really enjoy going up to Old Trafford with with dad and um, and and talking about the the football with him, and um, he was always ahead of all the the latest gossip. <laughs> That usually came from something like the, the daily sport or something like that. Absolute <laughs> nonsense. Some, some obscure Argentinian that none of us had ever heard of, and absolutely, the team was signing it, but we and he never going, came. He no, he's that? not. <laughs> <laughs> and the other, the other, the other thing is um, the the concept that we're all flawed, uh, yeah. and you know. Perception is quite interesting about how people are perceived and what we think is the um, the, the perfect life uh, and whatnot. And it's an illusion, isn't it? It's, there's no perfect life. Uh, there's no perfect person. And I think on reflection from his death, it's to it's really I've spent a lot of time thinking about the idea that we none of us are perfect. We've all got our flaws. We've all got things that we're working on. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we're not incredible. That doesn't mm. mean that we're not perfect in God's eyes. Uh, that doesn't mean that we haven't um, contributed something to, um, to to the communities around us. And and I think just seeing really following following Dad's death, the the out. I've said it already in in the podcast. The outpouring of love. Um, for 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 the family, for for mum, and just so many stories about his impact on people. It's just made me realise that you know we saw dad warts and all, and wow. and and he was such an inspiration to us from so many things that he did in his life for us and with us, but he's also impacted on hundreds, if not thousands of people um, outside of, outside of our family. We haven't got hundreds and thousands of people in our family, but, um, but he's just, he's, he's just had such, such a huge reach just from living his, his kind of simple life, really. I think that's really true. And what you've done in more so in the two of you, the, the area of you've been, where you've lived in life, but also like in your careers and the children, the family you've had an impact on, you've also kind of a footprint of your dad in that as well. 
Because I know after, like I've, I've met you both before I'd met your dad and Darcy's and I was like, okay, I can see where they get it from straight away. <laughs> like, it just, you can see your characteristic in you. I, I don't know your, your mum that well, will probably be able to spot hers as well. And <laughs> I think that's very important for us as parents is like that, the example we give and it kind of passed on. I, I like to imagine that obviously, we know, for example, of quite deep Catholic theology about the humanity of Jesus of like that all came from Mary and that being present there, but also his character was formed by Joseph too. Yeah. And and that being passed on. Sorry, Joe, there's a beautiful line in the encyclical, actually. It's in a different section of the encyclical. It's in the, um, an obedient father section and uh really nice line i love the fact that it mentions a school as well you can probably imagine why but it it (laughs) says during the hidden years in nazareth jesus learned at the school of joseph to do the will of the father Mm. isn't that absolutely gorgeous what a lovely line jesus learned at the school of joseph to do the will of the father that's that's amazing that's absolutely that's a great line i love that i've I've got to say uh, i've I wonder if thinking if I've like, like what's the recipe for a beloved father? Like what have, what have, like what are the, what when we break it down? What could I've like? I'm not sure because like when we're reading that at Saint Joseph, it's just it seems impossible to reach. But from our conversation, the from things that I've really picked out, I think it's true. If like you've said devotion, so like mm. the one who the one who've loved loves it first. Really, it's kind of like yeah. like God, we we love because God loves it first, like Saint John tells us. Um, but things you said, Dave. What really stuck out me, we've come up with themes again and again. Authenticity. Saint Joseph wasn't trying to be God the Father, he was being yeah. Saint Joseph. Commitment and sacrifice. I think those those virtues really are a good recipe, really, to try and focus on. They are. Right. We're into the final onto the final straight So, Any final tips? For dads out there listening, get up early. <laughs> yeah. Very early. Um, get up early. Get up early in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> good morning routine. Absolutely crucial. Set you yeah. up for the day. Routines are key, yeah. man. Routines. Make sure it's on the calendar. That's important. <laughs> if it's not on the calendar, it's not happening. So make sure it's on the calendar. Um. Accept that you're doing your best. I think that's I think that's important. Mm. You know that you're if you're trying to balance everything that you're trying to balance as a parent, as a father, that you're probably doing the best that you can. And and if you're not doing the best that you can, then just give that a bit of thought and try and redress that balance. Um, but I think it's also it's also back to the making time and making sure that that time is built into your life. Um, because you know we don't get a second chance at this, do we? We only get the we only get one chance to be a father to a three year old and a father to a six year old. Well, I've got four chances, but you know what I mean. We only <laughs> get one opportunity with each child. Yeah. So so make the most of each of those moments, and you know, live your life through your phone when you want to take a photograph of a, a really great moment. But also, don't live your life through your phone in the sense that you've you've you're being pressured or you're being taken away from the moment by something else. Uh, Tim talked about presence in the moment. I really like that. I'm taking that away from this podcast. Be present in the moment with your family and with your children um, and, and enjoy it. Enjoy it. 
And I would say do the things with your kids that you don't think you want to do. So there's, <laughs> so, and I'll just, I'll just elaborate that on a, a little bit. There's, there's times, I mean, you guys know in family life when, uh, we're, when we're just, we're just, I have two points in the day, <laughs> two points in the day, one's mid morning and one's around tea time. So they're not ideal times, but, if I, if I just kind of, if I'm self-aware enough and I have the presence of mind where I can just do it, you know, sit, it, it, sometimes the last thing, in, it sounds awful, but sometimes the last thing that I want to do is to sit down and read to one of the kids. But actually, when I sit down and read to one of the kids, I get as much out of it as they get out of it. And, and I suppose I have to keep telling myself that if I, if I do that, then actually the benefit isn't just going to be to them. The benefit is, is going to be to me as well. So um, it goes back to the idea of constantly trying to be a better, be a, to serve. And, and I think um, that would be my advice. Do the thing that you think you don't want to do because actually you'll, you'll probably love it. I, I get what you mean, but like when it's like, like I, I don't really want to do it like a, a teddy bear tea party right now. I've got, I've, <laughs> We've got I've got this and this to do, but you've kind of like that's that's Why where you need it. <laughs> Jerry, I don't know what I know about you. I'm surprised you don't want to attend the Teddy Bears tea party. I thought if, that was if, top if, of your if, list. If, if no, Esther, it's just <laughs> 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 it's just my, my own compulsion. <laughs> Excellent. So thank you both so much for your time this afternoon in um, in recording this. And um we'll just close ask you if you wouldn't mind praying for all our listeners, wherever may be. Let, let's start with the, uh, the sign of the cross in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And as a, a fellow podcaster, um, I understand how important uh, the listeners are because the value of us speaking about these, um, these issues and these themes that are so important in our lives are only kind of given weight by those who receive them. So pray for those who have listened today and those who will listen in the future and pray that some of our words will have some meaning and impact in their lives. I'd like to pray for all fathers and mothers out there who are uh, constantly on the journey, constantly on that searching trying to be the best parents that they can be to balance everything that's going on in their lives um give your holy spirit to them lord help your holy spirit come upon them strengthen them renew them help them to see the value of their work as as parents and help them to appreciate the journey and appreciate the gift of being a parent being a father being a mother the joys and challenges that it brings. And uh, we ask you to make us all appreciate that value of parenthood more and more every day of our lives. Amen. 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 St. Joseph, pray, pray, for, pray us. for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Tim, once again, for giving up so much of your time. Right. 
the, I would say the sacrifice that that's been for that. I hope everyone who've listened have appreciated. Encourage you those who are listening to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and also share it, get more people listening. I think it's really important, not just for us alone, but for our society that we raise generation and generation of great Catholic dads. So until next time, God bless, pray for us and know that we'll be praying for you.